Hi, hi, it's Tori Foster. I'm the founder of Tech Pixies, and I'm delighted to be here today with Samantha Clark, the author of Love It or Leave It, How to Be Happy at Work. Thank you so much for being with us, Samantha. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, your book has just released, and of course, we're in the middle, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of the coronavirus, and it's not been the greatest time period to launch a book. However, this book is all about pivoting career, and, and that's actually quite relevant right now because people have a lot of time on their hands uh, to think about whether or not their careers are the right careers for them. So what, what, tell us a little bit about the book and the inspiration behind it. Wow. So yes, we are in uh, just very uh, disconcerting and strange times at the moment. And when I think about my journey to getting to this point of being a happiness consultant, uh, I started out in branding and advertising a long time ago. And I was in this job that, you know, on paper should have been the successful place that I was like, right, this is it. And my parents were all excited. Everyone was happy. And I just felt like it was just a soul destroying place to be. I was working on products I didn't believe in, you know, I was hawking sugary cereals and I just wanted to explore a little bit about what my work happiness was. At the time, I thought that was uh, making shoes. And so I decided to understand what creativity meant. Maybe for me, it was making a product. And I went down this journey to uh, start making my own semi-bespoke footwear line. And then kind of, you know, it seems like a a repeat of the times, um, we went into recession. And it was the worst time to launch a footwear brand. Uh, My founders and backers were like, actually, this is too money intensive. Let's just cease it. And so I thought to myself, I've got these branding skills. I've got fashion. I've been studying styling. And I met with an individual uh, through a friend. And she said to me, I think he needs some help. He needs, he's just lost his job. He needs a bit of personal branding. He needs a bit of a shakeup. You're the best person to do it. And we started talking. Uh, and I just loved giving him some insights, like do this, think about your job in this way. And he got a new job and he recommended me onto somebody else and somebody else. And then I just loved it. So I retrained as a coach, started st- studying psychology. Um, I also lecture at the School of Life and just a melting pot of different skills started to come into my portfolio. And I started working with a tech company at that point. And I pitched to them the idea to become their head of happiness because they were growing quickly with no idea about culture, about happiness and people at work. And I just said, look, this is what I could provide for you. They said, yeah, let's give it two months. And I said, okay, great. Two years later, I was there. And after leaving that, I was like, right, I'm a happiness consultant and I'm going to make it my life's mission to help people live and work on purpose and find joy in their work, um, also from in-house in the company and with the individual. I love that. I so love that. And I love the fact that if anyone's listening to this right now and they didn't think that happiness coach was a thing, it is. It's a thing. It is. And it's not just for startups. You know, I think startups love those those funky titles. Uh, But, you know, every company, whether it's established or in the startup phases, needs to be looking after the happiness of their employees 100% because they're, the employees are the most important asset, <clears throat> excuse me, of any company. Yes, 100%. And I think unfortunately now is a time we're seeing whether or not that actually holds weight. 
and how managers and leaders are leaning into that or kind of uh, stepping back because I was reading a fantastic article yesterday which really speaks to the work that I do and it's like in these times where leaders and managers are having to make some tough decisions do we let go of some people do we keep them how do we balance the healthy productive and happy environment in which some people um, are staying and some people might be leaving and I think culture is so important because without your people there is no product there's no service and the ethos of how you lead and how you motivate and nurture your people is incredibly important I do like to caveat that with now is a time for individuals to be empowered to make their own career choices and to find their own happiness especially if you realize that your company might be letting you go or it might be shrinking rapidly. Maybe their industry has been wiped out. What will you do to, to future-proof yourself and make your own happiness? That's a great point, actually, because you talk about artificial intelligence as being one of the things that's going to uh, reduce jobs and change people's jobs, people who may have been doing roles that can now be replaced by artificial intelligence. So it's, it's, it is the moment to say, how am I going to... Uh, take care of myself in the ever-changing career landscape, which includes things like uh, artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, robotics, and the advancements in technology that are happening. I agree with you that people are so important in that process. You know, you can't just eliminate people because people have something that artificial intelligence doesn't have. And artificial intelligence can give us something that, you know, people couldn't, couldn't possibly you know, spend enough time trying to figure out, you know, in terms of I'm thinking of things like um, cancer scans, you know, that and, and pe people having to look and identify uh, cancer with their bare eye, whereas an artificial intelligence algorithm could speed that process up so that we advance the cancer research more quickly. So talk a little bit about that as well. And, and when someone is thinking about kind of safeguarding their future career. Uh, you know, obviously at TechPixies, we believe in upskilling and becoming a lifelong learner. I think that's something that you definitely believe in. What, why is that so important and what are other things people can do to safeguard their career? Yeah, brilliant question. Um, so work has been through such an evolution, you know, and I think we're moving into a place now where we have to be realistic that we might be working alongside AI robotics um, and enhancing as we're seeing now in, in the midst of this virus, everyone is in dispersed teams. Maybe your team has already been uh, remote working, but some of these skills that we're going to have to learn about um, communicating and connecting with people across platforms, learning how to um, solve problems critically, to build relationships, to get creative, to be nimble, to be agile, uh, and to, to think, um, in new ways that's going to push you to be a little bit uncomfortable and we're in a challenging time now where it's like okay if if i don't know something how can i get proactive to start learning perhaps i don't think i'm a great leader or perhaps i lack confidence to promote or market myself you know now is a good time to lean into that and to study and to think about what do i need to make myself better to make myself stand out to make myself indispensable whether you choose to love it or leave it whether or not you're still doing a portfolio career 
and you're in a company, now is a time where you're going to have to prove your indispensability, you know, to, to remain valuable and to remain one of those people that stays and, and lean into the culture and build out in that way. And if you do decide to leave, or maybe you um, have to leave, or, you know, not on your own accord, what can you be doing to learning new skills, to reaching out and building your network, to tapping into some of your um, unnurtured talents that you didn't know existed. And I think the book really helps people to deep dive and not only name their strengths, I don't think we pay enough attention to what is a strength that I have? How could I be using it differently? Or maybe I'm overworking it. Um, what are our skills? And also passions and values. I think all four of those things I talk about as your kind of love it, leave it transferable toolkit. And when you take that time to reflect and know what's in your toolkit, you can say, actually, I need to add X or I might need to partner with somebody to help me bridge the gap if I can't learn all of it on my own. You know, there are so many ways in which we can garner knowledge. So I hope to give people that um, ability to kind of shake up themselves and just realize that now is not the time to stand still. It's about that learning and doing at the same time. Well, I think if you stand still, everyone's just going to walk right past you. You know, I think that's, that's the reality of the situation we're in. But like you said, there's so many places that you can upskill now. Uh, you can upskill online. The online learning market has gone crazy during coronavirus because no one can go anywhere. So people are going and they want to use their traditional ballet teachers and uh, you know, piano teachers, and we're finding people, uh, I, I saw a report yesterday about a woman who is 65 who has never been able to do her banking online, has never been able to, um, you know, go, connect with her children through WhatsApp, and mm -hmm. has never done Facebook, and yet she got so bored at home, she was a ballet teacher, she got so bored at home, she figured out how to teach her ballet class online. Amazing. <laughs> and, I mean, that in itself is just pure resilience and just uh, determination. And it's that adventure of spirit, you know, just to keep ourselves um, kind of thinking about what's next. And I think when we get into that mindset of I can learn it and I'm just going to give myself an hour and check it out and see what, what possibilities lie ahead for me when I do that. Well, we talk a lot at Tech Pixies about the power of the word yet. And it's one of the very first things we do in the free training. And it's what you were saying before. It's that kind of, I don't know how to do this yet. And it's just adding that one little tiny word so that the door opens up. The possibility is there that, you know, maybe you aren't a good leader yet. You know, maybe you don't know how to leverage technology to your advantage yet. But I think the very first step is that growth mindset. It's, it's that I can learn something, I can apply something. And then actually the next step, beside believing that you can do something, is actually taking action. Mm -hmm. So what do you suggest when people have uh, done that work on their value set? I think that value set work is so important. And I look back at my very first career, and I, I worked uh, probably similarly to you in a, you know, in a job that I didn't necessarily love. It was a job that had really good potential for a nice paycheck. Um, but it was, I was crunching numbers. I was working a, on a financial desk, a trading desk. And I just remember, and no disrespect to the women that worked there, but I remember looking at them and seeing myself, you know, 20, 30 years down the line saying, this is not who I want to become, right? They never saw their children. 
Um, they, the, the marriages were falling apart. They, you know, drank a lot of alcohol and it was just really, it made me really sad for them. But also I just remember thinking that's not what I want. And I didn't, no one at the time, I mean, you think 20 years ago, no one was talking about values uh, in the way that they are now and how you were to find your values that you care about and then apply them towards your job. But I know, I know that that's, a, I feel like it's a gift that the millennials have given us, mm-hmm. you know, where they've, they've come through and they've said, I'm not just going to work for the sake of working. I need to really love what I'm doing. And I feel like that's, that's a gift that they've given us. But what's your thought on that action step, right? Someone's sat there and they've, they've done their value set. They kind of know where they're at, what they're looking for. What should they do? What's their go do it step? Yeah, so I think this occurs in several different waves. Um, first and foremost, I think you have to define where the pain is. And this is something I work with individuals to really figure out, okay, if I know that something isn't working for me with my career, what exactly is that? Is it that I am struggling to figure out whether or not it's the relationships that I, I can't mesh well with at work or I don't understand how to navigate Is it the actual industry or sector that I am tied with and that I want a new challenge or perhaps it's shrinking at a rate that I'm not able to excel in anymore? Or actually is the job role and the tasks and responsibilities feeling too small for you? Or feeling like you want to move? And then from there, I plot out different action points and exercises within the book for people to say, okay, if you're feeling like the job itself isn't quite right. What are the tasks within that? Where do you feel like you're flatlining? Where do you feel like your heart is racing? What kinds of things work for you? Maybe if it's the industry, I get them to do the bridge exercise to really look at their goals, their impact. You know, a pivotal thing that you just said was, do I want my boss's job? Do I want to be like these people here? You know, that's some of the questions as well. When you see where your trajectory is going, do you like that vision? Because if you don't, get off the path. And I also help people to think about how we make decisions. I think it's crucial to look at the psychology of why we make pivots and how we've made pivots in our lives. Sometimes we make um, changes in our career through um, proactive action. Sometimes we can be quite passive. Maybe an opportunity came to us. Maybe it was through the luck of chance. Uh, maybe we spotted something and we, we sat on it for a while and then we decided yes to go. Having an idea of how you make decisions in your life is also going to be key to, to moving you into action. And I talk about the different types of crosses that we might be. Some of us might be enthusiastic crosses. We're ready to just take the leap. And some people might need to cross at the smallest point and see a bigger picture, but actually they want to take that small cross a river and it might be, okay, I'm going to learn the skill. And then in the next month, I'm going to approach somebody or I'm going to go and shadow somebody, or I'm going to reach out to someone online and ask for a quick, Hey, I'm really interested in your job. Could you tell me a little bit more about what you do? And I think the more that you can understand how you make decisions and what stops you in your tracks from taking action, um, the better and the sooner. Well, and, and I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I just think being informed about why you want to make the change and also what stops you from making change are, are pivotal to actually going on and implementing action. And then obviously in the book, there are two solid pathways. So either loving it or leaving it. And I give you methodical step by step. Well, I think that's so important. What you just said, the fact that you need to identify where the problem is 
because you don't want to up and change jobs and then be miserable in the new job, right? I think all of us have done that. You know, we've yeah. left something. And then, and but that's where that personal work comes in. You know, it's not you, it's me. You know, it's, you've got to really dig deep and say, what is it about the way I am seeing this situation? You know, and sometimes it is the situation. Sometimes you're in a toxic environment. Yeah. I mean, I recently was doing some... Um, I don't do it professionally, but uh, as by the way that the, the nature of the job, I speak to a lot of women who are changing careers or starting a business or returning to work. And we, I was speaking with a woman who had taken a rather long career break and she decided to go, she did our course and she decided to go back to work. And uh, she found herself in a situation where there was a, a, a huge lack of leadership on the team. <laughs> and she, uh, she was the kind of person that hands down was a, is, a, is a leader, you know, the type person that when there's a gap in leadership, she steps up and she wants to, you know, just make it better. Um, but she was really struggling because this role that she took was a role in which she thought, I'm going to take this job so I don't have to be a leader, right? So she said she, she wanted to go back yes. to work, but she didn't want the pressure of being a leader. So that's why she took this job. And then she found herself seeing a huge gap in leadership and being very frustrated. And I had to just say to her, you know, I think what you have to recognize here is that your heart is in leadership, you mm -hmm. know, that you are a natural born leader and natural born leaders really struggle in a, a subordinate role, if you will, when there's a gap in leadership. Yeah. And, you know, so for, so I said to her, either you've got to go into an environment where there's an incredible leader and you don't feel like you have to step up or you have to actually ask to step up and, and take charge. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think it's that difficulty of what's causing the pain in this situation. Is it, you know, and it took a while to nail that down. Cause I think at first it was, oh, the environment is toxic. Mm -hmm. Then it was actually, well, actually no, the environment lacks leadership because if you were leading that environment, it wouldn't be toxic because right. you understand how leadership works. So I think those conversations, like you said, and the toolkit that you've given in the book to help people navigate why they're struggling is so important. Yeah. And I think just, you know, taking that time to pause and seeing each different facet of the situation, me, how I, so, how I show up in the situation, the individuals I'm interacting with, and at each point, at each intersection, really uh, narrowing down, like, how am I showing up? What are my triggers? And what's shaping or draining my behavior at each point? And like you said, you know, coming to that realization that actually I want to step into that and I can, is powerful and I, and I want people to feel like they can have more of those empowered visions versus just making complete 360s and then ending up in the same fire somewhere else. Yeah, I think that happens a lot of marriages. <laughs> I, I'm, I can only laugh about this now because we <laughs> went through a situation a couple months ago where, because, I mean, being an entrepreneur, being a, a female entrepreneur, it takes a lot out of you. I mean, male or female, I don't know very many uh, successful entrepreneurs who have, a, have really successful marriages. It's quite a tricky thing to manage the two. You have to have a very special partner. And I know when we, were, we got to a point where it got really difficult, it was, it was really interesting because I kept thinking, well, it's not, you know, it's not me. <laughs> like, I'm not the problem. And, uh, and then actually, when I got to the point where I thought, well, hold on, it, maybe it is me. 
And, and, you know, and I think what I realized is I had become like the comp, the business that I run had become all consuming. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had, I had actually stopped doing the laundry and stopped doing the cooking. And my husband had picked it all up and he hadn't, he'd done it without complaining. But then there was a point where it was like, do you actually realize when the last time you did the laundry was, or do you realize the last time you helped with the dinner was, and it's been an interesting journey because uh, I had to recognize that actually I, I have gone so deep into my work that I've, um, I've actually been unable to even see that I'm not doing these other things. Mm. And interestingly enough, with the, the coronavirus and also uh, you know, me making an effort to work towards changing things, um, suddenly I can't work a 60-hour week anymore. I can only, the kids are home 30 hours a week. I've got to do my part in that. But um, I've discovered deliciously Ella. I'm cooking all, like most of the meals. I'm back on helping with the laundry. I'm finding that balance. So it is, it can, you can get so sucked into work that you lose the perspective. And I think that's a, a bit of what you're talking about here as well, is that it's about finding, you know, finding the right perspective on your your work because your work is such a huge part of your life. You spend more time I mean, not, not at the moment, most of us are spending more time in our homes and with our families than we are at work, but we have been a society where people spend more time at work than they do with their families. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this l- lends very well to one of the earlier exercises in the book called The Sweet Spot. And I get you to see where um, in your life, I think there are four dimensions that we need to take care of. And when one is out of whack, how it affects the others. So we have work, we have the relationship that we have with ourselves, we have other people in our lives and also our home. And, you know, sometimes when work is feeling off kilter, we're not feeling, um, you know, in the groove with it, it can ripple out into our relationships and what we let go of or which ones we don't lean into enough. We let go of our own nutrition, our own well-being, our own mental health and mental hygiene around that. And then the house, you know, the house just becomes somewhere that we either just fall into bed and rise up and go to work again. And so, you know, I think we're in a good whilst it's not the best climate for us to to want to do this, I think we've been forced into understanding all of these different quadrants of our life and which ones have we been neglecting slightly, which ones need a bit more love, which ones are we going to enjoy relaxing into a little bit more? You know, a lot of us are starting to spend more time in our homes, finding those spaces to play, to create, to curate, to think, to reflect, um, and also leaning into your family. You know, it's, I was talking to a lady that I coach and she said, actually just, knowing that we don't have that commuting time, we're cooking breakfast for each other in the morning, we're actually asking each other about our day, and you know, now we're, we go off into separate rooms and work and we meet up at, for dinner time, and I'm just learning about my partner a lot more, and before we were just in a rush in the morning, just like passing ships. Uh, so this is a great time to just be still and to think, okay, once this goes back, because we will at some point, we don't know when, some sort of new normal will occur and what will we take from this learning what will we take from this time to better enhance ourselves, our relationships and our work absolutely and i think that's so important is that we're always working towards that vision of what we want to become and i think people uh at various points in their life they have visions of what they want to become and then 
different things happen and they let them go. You know, I know when I, you know, got, uh, I, I remember, and I've told the story a few times, but not everybody knows it. I was in the bathroom uh, with my kids. They were in the bath. They were uh, about a year and a half uh, and about six months old. They're about a year apart. And they were in just over a year apart. They were in the bath. And I looked up in the mirror and I saw, you know, my hair all over the place and I saw food all over my face. And, and I remember looking at them and looking at myself and thinking, wow, I just made a big commitment. And they'd, <laughs> they'd been in my life for a year and a half at that point. So, you know, but I felt like, I felt like the weight of getting married and having children was a reality. And I felt very responsible for these human beings. And I completely lost myself in that moment. You know, who am I? What do I want to contribute to the world? Uh, you know, and I remember being, I remember being a young girl and talking to a friend who they grew up in a very, um, a strict household and she was homeschooled and, you know, that she was going to go on to be a mother and, and not necessarily have a career and all this stuff. That was kind of her trajectory. And mine was, I had all these dreams and ambitions and everything else. And I remember saying to her, you know, like, what if I never fulfill my potential? This is like, you know, two, two uh, 18 year olds talking to each other. And I said, what if I never fulfill my potential? And she said, well, what if your potential is, is to, you know, to, to be a mother, a really good mother. And I just said, I think I'm made for more than that, you know, and I, and there's nothing wrong with being a really good mother. And I think for some people that is what they want to become and they do that very, very well. And I, there's, I have no, you know, we have so many women who come into our environment who have lived that dream, but there's a point when the children grow up, when they move out, or even before that point happens, when they go to school, when you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, hang on. I've got dreams and ambitions too. And what are they? I can't remember what they were or, you know, or we've let go of them. Some, some of them may have been so ambitious before children that once children came along, you go, that's not happening anymore either, you know? And so I think that, that it was, it was literally, um, it took years until the kids were obviously in school again, 30 hours a week. And I thought, okay, I've got 30 hours back now. I don't have it at the moment, but it's like, I've, you know, now I can start thinking about what I really wanted to do when I grow up. So you talk about visualizing in your book and, and in thinking about your future that way. So talk about your, um, let's talk about your toolkit and talk about how you feel about visualization. Cause I know we're on the same, uh, we're, we're on the same plane with this one. Yeah. I mean, you speak so much uh, truth in there. When, when I think about some of my clients who might be um, moms returning back into the workplace or even just some of them, you know, I had some beautiful conversations at the start of the week, some dinners, and there were two, actually three separate cases where they were, one lady was like, you know, I, I feel like either my, my work has, is become so less important to my husband now that I'm here. And because I still don't know what I want to do, there is that uh, lack of understanding from him about how important finding my vision or visualizing what it is for me. You know, another lady was talking about how um, she's been in a job, she's had a promotion, but there's a part of her that just feels like, is this really what I want to keep climbing the ladder? I've got two young kids. I love my husband, but I'm barely seeing them. And I don't actually give myself the space to dream either. Mm. Or it's a case of, okay, I've been in this job for a while. People are expecting me to go back after mat leave. I'm not sure I want to. What's next? And I love all of these different scenarios because it just, 
um, if they take the time to just pause and think, okay, what might an alternative version of me look like? When I think about all the different visions that I've had in my life, um, what do I want to do? And how could I start to think about that, even in incremental steps? Because I think sometimes there's an overwhelming thing of, yeah, I'd love to run a lifestyle store, but right now, you know, what's the economy like? That's not going to happen. And then the passion just gets shut down and then we don't do anything. And so I, I think it's really important for people to visualize what their ideal working day might look like. What are the kinds of things you see yourself doing? What kinds of skills do you see yourself using? Are you supporting people? Are you innovating? Are you connecting people? Are you um, creating something with your hands? And try to map out how you can start to step into that life. What incremental things could you do every day? You know, a lot of people will say to me yeah i'm really interested in uh photography or i'm really interested in flower design and i'm like okay what are you doing about it uh and there's nothing oh maybe i've got a pinterest board with some photos and i'm like okay you need to do more and tell me what it is around photography that you like or you know is it arranging the bouquets if it's becoming a florist is it um working for or creating uh, uh bouquets or displays for events in a photographer like do you like curating exhibitions do you want to take photos do you want to teach other people how to use that so start to get like um, a little bit inquisitive with yourself and go on that journey of curiosity to figure out who am i beyond the other labels and the expectations around what society says about me and also how you can start to create your purpose umbrella and I work through clients to get them to think about visualizing what will sit under their umbrella of purpose. And one lady, fascinating lady, she has had a, a career where she has been a uh, travel photographer and then she moved into uh, being a textile designer and now she makes cakes. Wow. And she says, I'm a visual provocateur because I like to provoke reactions with visuals, whether it's photography, cakes, or, um, you know, designing clothes. And I, I encourage people to play with words, to, to sit with themselves and think, if I am not my label, I am not an account manager, I am not um, director, I am, who am I? And visualize those words, play with those, sit and think about your ideal day and start to map out What's the first step I could take? And then the next one and the next one. I love that. Well, and I think what you've just described is that inaction kills dreams. Yes. You know, it's that if you don't do something about it, nothing is going to happen, you know? So you've got to do something. And I think a lot of people are yeah. afraid of rejection. And I think what you were just saying, you know, that what's that first little step you can do, you know, who can you pick up the phone and call to call and you know, have a coffee with, or obviously now it's a virtual coffee, but you know, who can you connect with that can help you uh, get started on that path? And, you know, I always like to say that the, if you, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So right. it's that, it's that it's taking, it's, 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 it's taking action in face of fear, not becoming inactive just, you know, because of fear. Right. And, you know, later on in the book, I talk about how we can see the silver lining in things that things that we deem not to work out. You know, when I think about um, starting my footwear label and at the time that was like a travesty, I was like, oh, my God, I've spent so much money and you now heading into recession. What was I doing? And then I realized that, you know, that was a springboard to where I am today. 
And through that, I, I mean, I still have a massive passion for shoes. I uh, can't wear any right now, but like I'm playing dress up at home. But <laughs> I think within that, you know, the, 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 the creativity and the ability to work with other creative people, to expand my mind in new ways, it was so powerful to me stretching into the next version of me. And so I, I see everything as a learning opportunity and, you know, write down what is the worst that could happen if I reached out to somebody and said, I'm interested in learning how to paint or I'm interested in putting together a cookery blog. What's the worst thing that could happen? No, what? No one reads it for like the first day. Okay, great. Next day, somebody else reads it and then you build from there. But I mean, the, the world isn't going to swallow you up. It's just those small incremental steps. It doesn't need to be a huge, humongous leap. Like, you know, you remortgage the house and you sign up for a seven year training course. It is just like one thing in front of the other, one conversation, um, one, you know, download of a PDF. And then you never know where your journey goes from there. Well, and we like to say at Tech Fixies, 2020 is our year of being brave. So, sorry, 2020 is our year of being brave at Tech Fixies. And so we like to say be brave and sparkle. But really, it's that idea that you are taking one small brave step that leads to another one that leads to another one. And before you know it, your fifth step is braver and bigger than your first step. And then your 10th step is bigger and braver than your fifth step. And suddenly you find yourself doing things you never thought you would do. And I, and I, both of us, I think can completely speak from experience with that. I mean, you've just launched a book, you know, you've worked uh, as the head of happiness at, at a big startup, you know, there's things that you've done in your life that you never thought you would do. I never thought I would raise 150,000 pounds. I never thought I would be running an online learning platform. Like I, never in my in my wildest dreams did I think that. And if you think back to when you started and you took that first step, you know, for me, that very first step was I want to help 12 women go back to work in Oxford. Like yeah. that was the first step. And you know what, even before that, it was, I called a friend, Tony, and I said, Tony, I want to start a digital skills school in Oxford so people don't have to go to London to do it. And he said, well, funny you should say that because I had a grant land on my desk this morning that you should apply for. Wow. And that's that phone call. Pick up three, two, one, pick up the phone, you know. It's the power of um, that intention and that motion and also in that moment saying yes to your idea versus poo-pooing it. Because yes. we can have these ideas and think, God, who actually is going to study in Oxford? Like, why? Um, and the fact is, you were like, actually, no, I've got an idea. I might tell someone. And you told the right person. Because also, it's important for us to be aware of who we tell our dreams to and whether or not these people are going to you know, support us with the resources or insights or that same energy or immediately go, mm, that can't be done. I'm not yeah. really sure about that. So it's, you know, it's being mindful of who's in your network and, you know, you're creating a great network. I really, I'm working, my next step is to build the, the love it, leave it life, which is going to be my community of people who are falling in love or leaving things and just living the life that they want to on purpose. And yeah, I've set myself a goal. I'm like, I would love to help this amount of women in the next couple of weeks and then goes from there. But it's just that intention and setting up the right uh, accountability circle or the right network to kind of leverage you forward because no man or woman can do this alone. 
Well, we know you're in good hands because you've got a tech pixie working for you now. One of our <laughs> star students. Little shout out to Holly Curry there. Woo! So, um, <laughs> Holly, I hope you're going to help her build this amazing community because it's going to be incredible. Well, on that note, so let's talk about where people can find you, how they can find you. Uh, and we're going to have in the show notes, we're going to have a place where you can click on the link and you can get a freebie from the two of us about uh, visualization and vision boarding. And so make sure you check those, uh, make sure you check the link out in the show notes. But Samantha, tell us how people can find you, what, uh, remind us of the book and all that good stuff that you want people to know. Yeah, so uh, my website is loveitleaveit.co. And if you go to loveitleaveit.co forward slash book, you can find out more about my brand new book, um, how to be, uh, love it or leave it, how to be happy at work and also on there, if you click on the coaching tab, you can learn more about my brand new community, the Love It, Leave It Life. Um, I'm on Instagram at Samantha and underscore or at underscore Love It, Leave It underscore. And uh, I'm popping up with lots of little videos and some real motivational um, kind of shout outs, posts to get you to move forward and take action with your career. Because I really believe now is the time for you to super supercharge what you want to do, to feel empowered. And I can be your trusted guide on that journey. And I love it. There's nothing more I love than seeing transformation. Well, we are thrilled to get to spend some time with you. I hope this is a well-listened to podcast, well-watched video cast, because it was certainly worth the time that we got to spend together. You're a lovely presence in the world, and I hope that you do continue to enhance the lives of people for a long time. So thank Aww. you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me.